I know it may seem like a long time since we uh, were in the 11th chapter. It was just two weeks ago. And would you turn me down just a hair? Thank you, I appreciate that. 2 Corinthians 11 at the 16th verse, and Paul is going to continue his theme of talking about wisdom and foolishness and boasting. The Corinthians knew themselves to be so wise that they knew how to sort out good and bad, which meant that they just acknowledged the bad as part of the good. So when they heard false doctrine, they just made it part of their lives. And that, of course, is an issue. There is a difference between truth and error. You can believe things and believe them sincerely and be sincerely wrong, but the scripture says even if you're sincerely wrong, when you choose to believe a lie, when the truth is available to you, you're in deep trouble. So in today's culture, we just decide the truth is relative. You have truth, I have truth, I might have three or four different truths, and everything is good because it's my truth, it's your truth. There is no capital T, truth. Well, the bad news is, as most of you recall, that there are some truths we need to acknowledge. If you cease to breathe, the truth is you're going to die. If you decide you don't want to eat anymore, you will get skinny, but eventually that skinniness will not prove to be a worthy thing. If you decide that water is not good for you and you stop drinking it, the truth is your body is going to have some things to say about whether or not you believe the truth. You may believe the truth that you can drive anywhere at 120 miles an hour without any kind of negative consequences until you drive into that wall and your airbag blows up in front of you. There are some things that we all acknowledge. There is some truth there. The Corinthians decided that they were so wise that people like Paul, bless his little heart, really acted foolishly sometimes. So Paul picks up on that theme of foolishness and boasting and wisdom as we continue now in the 11th chapter. Paul writes, I repeat, let no one think me foolish but even if you do accept me as a fool, that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? 
So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to fall? And am I not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eratos was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the walls and escaped his hands. The word of the Lord. Notice Paul's sarcasm? It's just hanging out there, and if you don't notice it, you're not paying attention to the text. Paul knows what he is about, and the Corinthians don't know what he is about, and they certainly don't know what they're about. And these false teachers that come in and say, we're super apostles, we're better than Paul, we are the guys who really know everything, and we'll tell you everything, and see, we're getting rich from the gospel. They've made those claims. And if you're getting rich as a preacher, that is, of course, find evidence that God has blessed your ministry. Therefore, you must pay attention to that preacher who's becoming rich, usually off the backs of people who are not very rich. So Paul is raising credentials that are very different than the super apostles, the wonderful teachers who've come to say, we're going to tell you the truth. And the church at Corinth has accepted these wonderful, marvelous, super apostles who only say nice things. And they tell you the whole truth. They say, now, Paul loves you, but Paul didn't want to burden you down with everything, so let us tell you the rest of the truth. And the Corinthians ate it up. So Paul boasts. And he boasts in a very unusual way. He doesn't boast about his strength, wisdom, knowledge. He boasts that he has been found worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. The super apostles aren't doing much suffering. 
they get to stay at the four and five star hotels. Why? Because they're getting money from the people who are funding their ministries. Paul stays wherever somebody will give him a place to stay. One of my conferences in Swaziland, a gentleman said to me, this conference means so much because you're right here and the other teachers are right here and we can sit down with you over lunch and we can talk and we can talk with you at the break times. He said, I paid 600 US dollars to go to a conference in South Africa and he told me the name of the speaker and it's an internationally known speaker. And he said, but we weren't allowed to speak to him. We couldn't go and say hello. We couldn't ask a question. And they brought the speaker in just in time to do the speaking and they ushered him out just after the speaking was done. And he went back to his hotel. We never saw him after that. You see, the conveners of that conference had decided that this man was a super apostle and don't be don't let those little people the ordinary old pastor many of whom were not well educated don't let them bother this wonderful teacher from the united states now knowing what i know about that teacher he had no idea they were doing that because he's not that kind of person But my friend said, I didn't learn nearly as much from that fine teacher as I'm learning here. Because you're eating the same food. The other, the other teachers are eating the same food. You're sleeping in the same accommodations. We're hanging out together. The super apostles came in and said, we're wonderful people. And the proof is that we're staying at the best of the Hiltons downtown in Corinth. And we're eating the best food, and that's the proof that the Holy Spirit is just moving in our ministry. And Paul says, I've been beaten. I've been beaten with rods. I've been shipwrecked. A day and a night I stayed in the water. I've been stoned. He's been cold. He's been hungry, and he says, this is really what it means to be fully invested in the cause of Christ. Those are the teachers you need to pay attention to. If you remember that early on in the book of Acts, Peter and John were taken there in the courtyard of the temple, and they were taken before the religious authorities, and they were told, okay, don't mention that Jesus guy again. Don't do it. And of course, what did they do? They went out and they talked about Jesus. And they were brought back in and they were beaten. That was their warning. Don't do this again. And it says they went out from the religious leaders rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer from the, for the cause of Christ. That's Paul's boasting here. He's been found worthy to suffer from the cause of Christ. He is not interested in acclaim. He's not interested in the world's understanding, approval, or acknowledgement. He's interested in doing what God has called him to do. 
as a faithful servant. We can learn from Paul's example. Too often the church has sought the approval of the world. And the scriptures make a clear distinction between the world and the followers of Jesus. If we want the world to like us, we're going to need to change some things that we believe. We'll have to water down the whole concept of sin because the world doesn't like the concept of sin. Because if you're worried about sin, then you're going to have to adjust your lifestyle. If you don't believe that there's going to be any kind of punishment for your bad behavior, then you can do whatever you want. You can act however you want. Life is fine as long as you redefine the way the world has redefined it, the way humankind should function. Too often the church has said, we want the world to love us. I look at the church to which I used to be a member and used to be a pastor, the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church adopted the thinking of the world and said, it doesn't really matter what behavior you're engaged in. God loves you. And that part's true. God loves every single sinner. But God says that there are some behaviors that are abhorrent to me. So we redefine, and the church has redefined in many cases, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we redefine it in terms of what the world finds acceptable. And Paul says that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you want the approval of the world, you will find the disapproval of God. If you want the approval of God, you will, you will find the disapproval of the world. See, now, why is that? Why can't we all just get along? Because the world, scripturally, is defined as the enemy of God, and God is the one who provides salvation to his enemies if they will only respond to his call. Now, I listed a bunch of texts here, and I hope that you will go home and read them, but there's a little, little bit of uh, some phrases here about what these texts are all about. And I, I want to help you understand that if we live like the world, we are not living as followers of Jesus. And if we live as followers of Jesus, we will not live like the world. You can like it, you can not like it, but that's the truth of the matter. If we are seeking acclaim and approval and acceptance from the world, we are often then not worried about being a follower of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, the world will hate you. The world hates me, the world's gonna hate you. Don't be surprised, in fact, that the world hates you, why? Jesus said, because the world already hates me. And if you are associated with me, the world's gonna hate you. And Jesus said in John 17, that the world hates all those who are not of the world. 
What does that mean? It means if you were not going along to get along, if you were accepting the morality that the world wants you to accept, the world's going to be fine with you. See, the evil one wants to throw us off course of following in the ways of Jesus. And when we adopt the ways of the world, it's the evil one who is teaching us that the ways of the world really are just fine. Think back to the book of Genesis when Eve is standing there being tempted by Satan, and it seems so reasonable what the snake has to say to her. Now, God has told you this, hasn't he? Well, yeah, but God didn't tell you the whole story. So if you eat of this, you're going to find the whole story, and that's really what God wants for you, so just believe me, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I know God said that, but he didn't really mean it. He's a God of love, and he's accepting, so don't worry about it. And we fell into sin. In Romans 12, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We can choose to be conformed to the ways of this world, or we can be followers of Jesus, but we can't have it both ways. In James 4, James makes it very clear. He says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with God, the inverse is also true, is enmity with the world. In 1 Peter 5, Peter says you're going to suffer. Isn't that good news? In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, and Peter says you're going to suffer. Get ready for it. You're going to suffer. He says, but after this time of suffering, God's going to restore you. <laughs> In Romans 8, Paul says, and not even persecution can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 4, the 10th verse. Read this. This is not going to make you happy. Paul says, we are the scum of the world how does it feel to be scum? One of my favorite sayings used to be, that person is lower than pond to scum. The world looks at the followers of Jesus and says, these people are lower than pond scum. And Paul says, that's the way it is. Why? Because the world is the enemy of God. God's not the enemy of the world, but the world is the enemy of God. So, well, how does that work? Paul says that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. And in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, we find Paul writing these very difficult words, all who desire to live a godly life in the Messiah will be persecuted. Doesn't say should be, might be, it says will be. If you desire to live as a follower of Jesus, you will endure persecution in one form or another. 
That's the plain and simple truth. But we tend to water this down so that we can find ways to live with ourselves. So we can make a little accommodation of the world over here and a little accommodation of the world over here, but still be followers of Jesus here, 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 and here. And then we wonder why in our watered down truth we don't have any power to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Paul says you're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You can't serve both the world and God. It is not possible. So we make our little allowances for the ways of the world over here and say, well, okay, it, you know, it's really not this bad. It's, it's okay. And we can live with that, or we can live with that, or we can live with that. And Paul says, no. If it's in opposition to God, we need to stand in opposition to it. Now, how does that work in daily living? Well, you better hate your neighbors. If you don't hate your neighbor, then you're not a follower of Jesus. No, you hate the world. But you love the people who are in the world. You hate the system that is driving people to be separated eternally from God. You hate the system and say, this system is dragging people away from Jesus, and I, I can't stand that. But you want to reach out to those who are stuck in the world. We live in the world without being part of the world. We live as people who want to be friends to everyone. We want to reach out in kindness and mercy and love and justice. Those biblical concepts, that's how we want to live in this world so the world will see this is what it really means to care about others. Jesus cared about others so much that he was willing to have people say, what is wrong with that guy? He goes to parties. He hangs out with hookers, and even worse, with IRS agents, those tax collectors. Those are the kinds of things they said about Jesus. And if we want to be the people that hang out with Jesus, we need to be as friendly and loving and yes, even accepting of those who don't yet know him doesn't mean we have to approve of their ways. Instead, it means that we have to know that these are people for whom we need to pray. These are people that need to know what real friendship is, what real love is about, so that we can be faithful witnesses. doesn't mean we can't hang out with them. In fact, if we're only hanging out with people who are in church, where are you going to find the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus? If you don't go to the golf course or the ball game, if you don't go to the kitchen shop, if you don't go to the baby shower, if you don't do any of this stuff, 
where the world is going to be gathering, then how are you ever going to tell someone about Jesus? We need friends who are of the world so that we can show them what it means to be in Jesus and show love to them. But that will have consequences. It will always have consequences. They may not approve of us, but they didn't approve of Jesus. But whose company would I rather have? The one who doesn't approve of Jesus? Or Jesus? And Jesus showed his utter disapproval of sinners by going to lunch with them. By telling stories with them. By hanging out with them. By walking around with them. Probably by joking with them. So they would see how much God loved them. Jesus didn't spend all his time condemning the sinners. He spent his time loving those who needed to see God's love. So that when he died for the sins of the world, people could know that he's the one that's offering life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of Paul, for the example of Jesus. They were willing to risk the disapproval of the world so they could declare your great love. They were willing to undergo persecution, even death, so they could show how much you love the world. May we live up to their example and love the people that you love so that others will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the opportunity. We love you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
received word from my friend in Swaziland, Joseph Goulet, that the country is in terrible upset. Many shops are burned. The king is not a nice man. He's worth billions and his people have no money. And there finally have been some uprisings against the government. He has only limited internet, sometimes only an hour a day, sometimes not that much. So he can't always even get emails out. The rate of inflation is horrible and many stores are without food. So when you see Swaziland on our list today, you will see why. So we're praying for the Scots, the Columbos, Rebecca, Believe, Joseph, the Swaroops, Corinne and Jeff, Morningstar, Stephen, Abril, Hector, God Listen, David, Kenneth, for Swaziland. The Chandrans, Jabalani, India 2022, the Harans, Africa 2021, Edwin and Joe Duanus. We're praying for the persecuted church. For Tyler, Chris, Daniel, Mario, Parker, and Neil. For Scooter and Lance. For Raphael, who's been in prison now for many years and needs to know Jesus. For Sally, Mike, and Mila, Aaron, Diana, Gloria, John, who are caring for others for mental health during this difficult time. Andrea, Teresa, Robert, Guadalupe, Patty, Kelly and Jeff, the Brennans, Chris, Audrey, Jack, Rick, Leo and Leo, Judy, Stephanie, Jimmy, Zena, in fact the whole of the Williams family. Audie and Veronica, Ronald, Mark, Noe and family, Kathy, Brian's family, Beth, Tony, Alone, Arohi, Andy, Matt and Jonas, Greg, Jim Martin, Rochelle, Christopher, the Neal family, Clifford, Ryan, Don, Pam, Steve, Haley, Louise, Brian and Kathleen, Kelly, John and Gail, Cecilia, Anne, Carol, Atoya, Hope, Gaylene, Mindy, Ricky, Hope is up in San Francisco. She will have a, uh, another scan tomorrow to make sure that the two surgeries have not been undone. So of course they're a little worried. She um, had a difficult time getting to sleep last night as Lorena told me because even though she's had a year of healing the last time that she was there, they found the anomaly on her brain. So of course you think about that. Lorena is with Ella, or Ella's with Lorena, and Ella is uh, taking care of some 4-H projects at the school, which is why they're not here this morning. And we're praying for Irma, uh, Irma, for Irene, Emma, Bernice, Sandy and Edna, Diana, and Aaron. Who do we need to add to our list? for the political upset in Haiti. For the firefighters, thank you for that. Anybody else? 
Let's pray together. Merciful God, you have heard our prayers as we have lifted these people to you. We think especially of these people who are on our list of my friend Joseph and what's going on in Swaziland. The political upset, stores burned, not enough food, horrible rate of inflation. We pray for safety for the Christians in Swaziland. We pray for the safety of all who are in Swaziland. And we pray for a political, political system that would be to the benefit of all of the people. We pray for those who are in the persecuted church all around this world. We pray for Haiti and the political upset there after the assassination and more lockdowns, but this time because of political unrest. We pray for firefighters, for people who are in these times of heat out there fighting fires to keep people protected. We are grateful, Lord, that we can lift all of these to your care, but we think now of hope and her family, of Ella, her sister, of her grandparents, of her parents. And we pray that they would know the gift of your peace. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Scriptures tell us that on the night he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. He blessed and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it, remembering me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again he gave thanks. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, remembering me. Father, when we were your enemies, you sent your Son into the world to bear our sin, to die the death we deserved, and to be raised to life that we would have life in him. And then he ascended into heaven, where we are seated with him in heavenly places, that is such incredible news. So we thank you for Jesus who gave himself for the world that hated him to call all people to you. So Father, as we take of the bread, as we take of the cup, may we know the presence of our Lord who came to give us life. We thank you and we praise you in his mighty name. Amen.